Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, have Spotify, and on YouTube. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. I appreciate it. So, I really do. I appreciate it so much. And that is uh, perhaps the theme of this episode, because Thanksgiving is here. It's been a great football season. It's been a great basketball season. We had a good baseball season. I say good, not great. We'll get to it. Uh, but for today's episode, I wanted to take some time in the theme of the holiday as so many people are doing on podcasts across the country, the world, I don't know, whatever. I wanted to give thanks, but I also want to note some things that maybe we're not so thankful for. So I'm going to do a little game, thankful or unthankful, and it's going to be a New York sports edition where I break down some of the things that are notable across all New York sports right now. That's including the Giants and Jets, the Knicks and Nets, the Yankees and Mets, to just go through all these things, all these teams, all these players, coaches, and et cetera, who we think so much about, who we expect so much from, who we want to do the best for the teams that we care about. And often us fans and us appreciators and watchers and talkers about all this stuff, well, sometimes we get things right and sometimes we get things wrong. And I think this is a good time to remind ourselves what we should be thankful for and remind ourselves that there's still a lot of room for improvement and things that get us fed up for a reason, right? So that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to talk about a lot of these things, play thankful or unthankful across the world of New York sports. And of course, I just want to start with you guys. So thank you to you, all of you, Subway Sports Talk listeners for following along, for listening along for playing along when you have the chance and for supporting the show and this, and this page, because you know, this is obviously a big time passion project for me turned into a little bit more than that. Obviously shout out to the hoops podcast network with the DraftKings sponsorship and all that fun stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to do this all the time and I'm thankful to do this, right? It, it takes time. It, it makes my life a little bit crazy sometimes, right? I think we're heading into week 12 of the NFL season, and I've done two episodes per week the entire season. So that's at least 24 episodes over the past couple months. And now yeah, it gets tough sometimes. You got a holiday week. Work is crazy on the regular life, and it becomes a lot. But then I get reminded that people click on this show weekly twice weekly on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, on TikTok. And it really does remind me to be thankful for the fact that anybody will tune into the things that we have to say on the show. And special thanks, of course, to all of my co-hosts who spend time with me weekly to talk about all these things that we love so much. So to Pat Boyle, shout out to him who spends so much time with me, to Alec Argento and Andrew Kalanya who do the same. To Mark Shen Lugan, who joined the pod this year via the picks, who's off his first 5-0 and week on the Subway Sports Talk picks. That's a beautiful thing. We also got guys like Kyle Anderson, who maybe haven't heard in a while, but is fantastic and still part of this show. Cody O'Connor, newcomer, who's been doing a lot of stuff, and I'm missing some people. But, man, it just feels good to come out here 
And whenever the mic gets turned on for me, nothing else really matters. And we're talking sports and we're having fun and we're breaking it down in a way that hopefully gives you guys some interest and hopefully makes you guys think about some things a little bit differently, uh, uh, different from what you think about yourself or what you read on Twitter or what you hear on the radio, because that's my whole thing. A lot of times we get stuck in the rut of accepting what all is being said, what the masses are saying, what Twitter's saying, what the big pundits on ESPN or the fan or whatever are saying. And I like to remind people where that might be wrong and where you might be right or where I might be right or where we can think about something a little bit differently. So I think that's the gist of this show. And with all that being said, I have to come out here and talk about obviously our friends over at DraftKings because the NBA season is heating up, y'all. And there are so many unknowns in this league still. But there are some things that are starting to shake out and take shape. I remember in the preseason pod, I mentioned this guy as one of the longer shot MVPs that I like that I threw a little wager on on DraftKings. That's Jason Tatum. This guy's averaging 30 points a game. He's top five in the league and win shares according to basketball reference. Listen, the odds are not going to get better than they are now. He's already gone down a little bit from where he was to start the season at plus 1,500. Now, futures, they're starting to change. He's got plus 350. You missed out on the big-time odds. He's got now the third best odds, but it's not too late. That's still a good payout, and there are some other folks that might be interesting to throw some money on as well, but Tatum, to me, is one of those guys that might just be his year. And when I'm looking to get into the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now check this out. That's for new customers. What can everyone else get? Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. This has been going on all year. It ain't stopping now. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player pops like rebounds, points, three-pointers made, and more. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This has been nice for me because I, I like dabbling throughout the week. You know, Sundays are obviously big-time days, but then you got basketball throughout the week. You get involved with the same game parlay. Maybe you don't even like a side. I do that sometimes. I don't even like a side, but I think this guy might get 20 or this guy might get 10 rebounds. And all of a sudden, I got a plus 300 same game parlay that's getting stepped up from DraftKings and looking even better. So download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, see show notes for details. So again, shout out to all you guys, but here we go. It's time to be thankful this Thanksgiving season. And a good place to start is with the New York football giants and Brian Dable, because Brian Dable is been a coach that is exceeding all expectations and dreams of what a head coach can be in the NFL weekly. We sit here and we watch our giants and jets, or we watch red zone. We watch the primetime games. We watch what's given to us in the NFL. And there's a lot of times where many people, the smartest footballers in the world, or just you or me sitting on our couch are watching this game and saying, what is this guy doing? He's going forward on fourth down in his own territory, up six or whatever it may be. Oh, analytics this. Why is this guy calling a timeout? Why is he not calling a timeout? Why are you not getting this guy involved? 
And all these complaints we have weekly on numerous coaches saying, what is this guy thinking? Who is this guy? Nathaniel Hackett, Brandon Staley. You know, these guys can't get things right occasionally. And you think about the more you think about every single coach across the league, the more you realize that there's question marks in a lot of places. Very few places are blessed with the true stability of a head coach who makes his players better and puts a game plan out every single week that makes his team have a chance to win. You can think about it right now off the top of your head. Who comes to mind? Of course, we'll give a tip of the cap to Bill Belichick, who always gets it done in some way or another, even if his team's not that good. And even if there are some question marks there, but you give him the benefit of the doubt. You go to Andy Reid to do the same thing. You go to Mike Tomlin, you do the same thing. What a great coach that guy is out in Pittsburgh, keeping his team ready. Right, And there's some other coaches that you feel really good about. Sean McVay, guess what? His team stinks. Is he doing everything right? Maybe. Maybe his team's just not very good. Right, But then you think about some of these other guys. I already mentioned Hackett. I already mentioned Staley. You talk about Dan Campbell, who gets his guys going every week. And yeah, they beat the Giants last week. But are they good? Are they well-prepared? Are they well-equipped? I don't know. Maybe they're just not talented. What I know about the New York Giants is that they're not that talented, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But this guy, Brian Dable, has done more than anyone could have asked to get this team prepared, to keep them in games, to give them a chance to win. He's coaching them up to a point where he's making Daniel Jones look like a real quarterback, making Daniel Jones look like the tough dude that he actually is, that we didn't know he was, that we didn't want to accept that he was because of all the other shortcomings. Well, this guy's accentuated his strengths. He's gotten the most out of Saquon Barkley. He's got an offense to score points without any weapons. There ain't no weapons on this team. We'll get to that in a minute. So I'm thankful for Brian Dable. I think this is a stable coach who is going to be with this program for a long time. And when a trade of Kandarius Tony happens, and my initial reaction is, if Dable was okay to get rid of him, I'm okay to get rid of him. That's saying something. That's saying trust. That's saying this is no joke. That's saying that we, as Giants fans, for the first time in probably a decade, can look at the leader of our team and say he's doing what is best for the program. He is putting the best product on the field. And they're ahead of schedule. And they're not destined for a Super Bowl. And probably not even a run in the playoffs if they hold on and get there, which they should. But we can enter this offseason. We could enter next season knowing that most times, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 maybe, we have a coach who is going to be equal or better than the one he's facing up against across the field. That's the thankfulness we need to give Brian Dable because for years we've complained, oh, we're passing behind the sticks. Oh, draw on third and nine. Oh, we get to the red zone and can't score. And all of those things have been flipped on their heads because of Brian Dable and his magic in getting this offense to play above their heads and getting this team to play incredibly hard, which has been a question mark for them under Joe Judge, under Ben McAdoo, under the end of the Tom Coughlin era. All these things were question marks. And right now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I could even zag in a direction that'll go and say, oh, no, this is just beginner's luck for Brian Dable. Uh, this is going to wear off. This is Tom Thibodeau. This is something like that. I can't even pretend to have that take after you watch this team show up week in, week out. Yeah, they had some tough losses against Seattle. Yeah, they had a tough loss against Detroit. 
That's going to happen. Were they underprepared? I wouldn't say so. Were they outplayed in some ways? But did the team show up with no effort, no juice? That's not the case. They showed up with a lack of talent and didn't work out in that uh, in that in that week. Table's got this team prepared. We're going to see it for the rest of the season, and I look forward to seeing it for the rest of Dable's tenure here in New York. Next, we got to go to Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones is another guy who has raised a lot of question marks and has sparked a lot of debates across the radio stations in New York, across the national media on the NFL level. But unfortunately, up until this point, up until just a few weeks ago, most of those debates were pretty easy to come to an end. Yeah, there were some supporters out there for Daniel Jones. Yeah, there were some people holding on hope that he was going to become an above-average franchise-level quarterback. I wasn't one of them. You might not have been either. Based off the odds, most people weren't. Most people thought this was a guy who couldn't move the ball, who couldn't consistently score touchdowns, who will not get the best out of his team, who will not be tough enough and smart enough to outwit his defenders and tough enough to use his God-given abilities to score points and put this offense in advantageous positions. And that's why this one becomes tricky. And that's why just on number two, I'm taking a cop-out answer because I'm thankful for Daniel Jones and what he's done this year and what he's proven in proving me wrong and many others wrong. But I'm also unthankful because Daniel Jones may, through the toughness that he's shown this year, through the slight improvements he's shown as a passer this year, he may put the Giants in a weird spot. If you listen to the episode just a few weeks ago with Alec Argento, you know, him and I debated this pretty hard. Are wins a quarterback stat? Are wins a stat that should be attributed to the quarterback blindly? That was really the question. And Alex said the most important thing is that a quarterback walks away victorious. And there's parts of that I agree with and parts of that I vehemently disagree with. Because you can tell me every single week, as long as they win, they're doing their job and they're going in the right direction. And I can agree with that. But as soon as you tell me that that is a reason to trust this person moving forward, that is a reason to pay this person a certain amount of money, that is a reason to hitch yourself to this person's wagon for four or five years. That's where my question marks start rising instantly. Quarterback stats do not include wins. Look across the NFL right now. There are quarterbacks who are winning who aren't franchise quarterbacks because their teams are good, they are well-coached, and they have skilled players who can do a whole lot. The Giants fit a couple of those categories. They clearly do not <laughs> fit the skilled players category, but they fit the coaching category. And defensively, they fit the skilled, the, the, the talent level category. Right, So I'm not going to come out here and say that I'm 100% thankful for Daniel Jones and what he's done for this team and what he's going to do for this team because I still don't know. I still don't trust that I can say Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. He needs to be locked in for four years. That's not something I'm confident in, and I don't think you should be either. This guy's still only thrown nine touchdowns in 11 weeks or 10 games, if you will, because there's a bye week mixed in there. Nine touchdowns, 10 games. At some point, this man is going to have to start throwing touchdowns. Does he deserve a little bit of a benefit of the doubt? Absolutely. His skill players are bad. It's ugly. We hate to see it. We watch it every week, and it hurts our freaking brains. It's terrible. So does he deserve a benefit of the doubt with that? Yes, he does. But that does not make it a shoe in that all of a sudden, if he has talent, 
he's going to now be throwing 18 touchdowns in 10 games. We haven't seen it. It has not been done. Do I trust it now more than I did before? Yes. Do I trust it now with Brian Dable at the helm? Yes. But if Brian Dable is going to say, hey, we should tag this guy, keep it year to year, there may be some better options for us moving forward. I'm going with that option because there hasn't yet been enough from DJ to prove anything else. But there has been a lot of things that we could hang our old hats on and we can say, this man is tough. Something that we were unsure about, that we didn't want to commit to that statement. This dude's tough and he's running his ass off and he's playing hard and his team's responding to it and he's taking blame where he's supposed to. We'll get to that in a minute. Across town. You might know where I'm going. But he's done all the right things this year, except for throw for more touchdowns. That's where the questions come in and the questions lie. So I'm thankful for Daniel Jones. Thankful for his effort, his leadership, his toughness, his steps forward. But I'm not thankful for the position that this Giants team still sits in, despite a winning record, despite a great year to this point, living in the world of unknown and mediocrity and where's up, where's the next step to get better. There's some opportunities in the offseason. If those plans include Daniel Jones, it very well may, it may make sense. But there's a really good opportunity at some point to cash in on a quarterback that can lift everyone around them. And for all the lifting he's done for the team, it's really hard to say he's lift, lifted his players directly around him, including all the wide receivers who are not very good. So this is a bit of a mixed bag. It's a bit perhaps of a cop-out answer, but I'm thankful for Daniel Jones. I'm also unthankful for the position he's kind of putting in, putting the Giants in based off his success this season while still being a bit underwhelming as an NFL franchise quarterback. Saquon Barkley, next on the list. Thankful. Man, this will be a quick one. This dude runs his ass off every time. Don't care. Running through people, running around people, jumping over people, catching passes, playing quarterback in the Wildcat. Saquon Barkley's a dude. This is a guy who, off the injury a year ago, did not look like himself, and people said he might be done. He might never get back to who he was. But guess what? He's back. Guess what? He ain't going anywhere. Well, hopefully not because the Giants are going to have to pay that man. And, and, and my guess is that Joe Shane and Brian Dable might have to be smart about what type of expense that becomes. But whatever happens with Saquon Barkley, whether or not he's back, which I expect him to be, just because it's hard to let somebody of his talent, his effort, his professionalism to just walk, his impact level. He's been carrying this team on so many turns. I'm thankful for Saquon, and there really ain't no other way to put it. Someone I'm not thankful for, the MetLife turf and the giant receivers. These guys are not very good. And all the ones who are very good or are good or are decent seem to get taken out by this damn MetLife turf. This stadium just stinks. It's not fun. It's not fun to be at that much, right? There's only one real redeeming quality with MetLife Stadium, and it's those big screens in the corners. Those are great screens. Beautiful, actually. And no matter where you're sitting, you're going to see every uh, every replay perfectly. You're going to see live action perfectly, in case you can't see it, from your seat. That's a beautiful thing. Everything else about the stadium sucks. Not good. Traffic on the way out, terrible. Uh, turf, terrible. 
look from the outside terrible air conditioner that's what it looks like giant air conditioner this stadium is so unfortunate and i hate to say that i hate to be a weird debbie downer about something stupid but at this point it's been it's been proven people are getting hurt on this field a lot and it's very frustrating it's very frustrating and then when you're a fan and you spend 150 dollars on decent tickets not bad, not bad tickets on decent tickets not great tickets decent tickets 150 dollars and you go to a thing that looks like an air conditioner and you see when you're watching TV, you're watching the Falcons and their freaking spaceship that's beautiful. You're watching SoFi and it looks like a goddamn resort. You see the, the blueprints for Buffalo's new stadium and you go, wow, that thing's beautiful. And then you go to MetLife on a Sunday and you freeze your ass off. It's windy. The turf sucks and everyone's miserable. Ah, MetLife Stadium and the Giants receivers. What's a bigger disaster? You tell me. Either way, I am unthankful for the lack of talent at the receiver position for the New York Giants, and I am unthankful for an ugly stadium that is not effective either. Next, another guy who uses this stadium, Robert Sala, man. We got to be thankful for Robert Sala, and we got to be thankful for the fact that the Jets fans and the media and whoever was important enough held on for just long enough to not see this guy go full heel. Because, man, he is electric when he's right. And last year was really tough. And last year, the Jets were really bad. And they didn't have a lot of talent. And this year, they got some of that talent back on the defensive side. And their defense from week one has been very good. Week one. Go back and check the tapes. Week one, right here. My, your boy, Pete Kennedy, on this podcast saying, hey, I don't know what was going on with the Jets' offense. I don't know what's going on with the Jets. I don't know what my expectations are, but I think that defense is good. And guess what? It's been good. Guess whose job that is? Robert Sala, defensive-minded coach who's taking the receipts. Everybody laughed. Oh, Robert Sala's taking the receipts. Uh, watch out. Everybody league beyond notice. Robert Sala's coming, and he's writing it down. Well, guess what? He's backed it up. And for all the shortcomings that the offense has experienced in the past couple weeks and Zach Wilson, who we'll get to, this guy's serious. This guy's a real coach who's getting his defense ready to the tenth, the nth degree. The nth, the tenth doesn't matter. Robert Sala has his team cooking on defense, which his is his bread and butter. Now, does offense need to be figured out? Absolutely. Will there be a change at offensive coordinator going into next season? Sounds like possibly. Will there be a change at quarterback going into next season? We might not have to wait until next season. It might happen next week, right? The Jets have problems, and it does not start with Robert Sala. This guy's got them going in the right direction, and it's good to be thankful. Zach Wilson. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to feel this a little bit more. No. <laughs> I'm not thankful for Zach Wilson. How could you be? I mean, this guy had the layup of all layups for questions when his team scored three points and his team punted more times than he completed a pass against the Patriots on Sunday. And they ask him, do you take some blame? And do you, do you feel bad for the defense of how well they played and how the offense let them? Do you feel like you let them down? And he just looks off and goes, no. Hmm. Now, I'm sure you guys all heard about this to this point. This is coming out on Wednesday. This is almost old news, right? But it's important to note. 
that you should not be thankful for a quarterback who is brought into the graces of a franchise. Every time there's a new quarterback taken, there's all hype. The Jets were buying his jerseys. Even after a pretty bad rookie year, they're buying jerseys, talking about how he's getting with his mom's friend and he likes Cougars, throwing bombs, something about titties. I don't remember the shirts. This guy was brought in. This guy was expected to do something, to show off the talent. And not only has he played terrible, he's acted terrible. And that's where the line gets crossed so clearly. And there's no reason to be thankful for a quarterback like that. The only reason to be thankful is to realize how good you may have it at other points in time. That's the only way, right? Because you may look at Sam Darnold in that tenure, and you were not thankful for that tenure for Sam Darnold. He was not very good, never quite figured it out. But then you're thankful for the person who Sam Darnold was, always stepping up to the microphone and taking the blame, taking some ownership, some accountability, never pointing fingers, never blaming anybody else, never being standoffish. And you say, well, if we have a crap quarterback, I at least want a roof for the guy in case our team happens to hang around in some of these games, which they are consistently because of how good the other guy, Robert Sala, is doing. But man, Zach Wilson, you had a layup, bro. And you botched it, boofed it off the front of the rim. Terrible. You hate to see it, Zach. You better figure it out. You better keep some of your own receipts so you can get back on the right track here and not lose your job and lose your chance at being a real quarterback in this league before you ever found a chance at it. Moving on to basketball, let's talk about a dude who's in our backyard playing 40 of his games every single year in New York City. And this guy is so underappreciated and over, overhated. I am thankful for Kevin Durant. For so many reasons, I am thankful for Kevin Durant. Not only do we get to watch one of the best basketball players in the world currently, one of the best players in the history of the sport, nightly in New York, right in our backyard, but we get the true, the true and most candid player in the NBA who gives us what we all say we want constantly. What do we say when players are so phony at the microphone and they're saying BS and they're just thanking whoever and they're saying who knows what and they're saying nothing at all. And we're saying, oh, can people just be honest? We just want people to be honest. Be yourself, man. Come on. You know, what are you, what are you hiding behind? What are you, what are you hiding from? What are you trying to get around? What are you trying to prove? Why are you trying to be cool? Why are you trying to act like you've never done anything wrong or you're not like everyone else? That's what people think all the time. What happens when Aaron Rodgers goes on the podium and talks about uh, uh, <laughs> doing ayahuasca and Joe Rogan and all this crap and going on hikes and retreats and finding his physical and mental zen and balance and all this crazy crap and, and seems like a completely out-of-touch human being. Tom Brady is similar. Russell Wilson, to a different degree, a guy who is just a, just a disaster who wants to act like a perfect human who's robotic and does everything right and thanks God and yes, 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 I am the one who is doing it, giving the most effort and being my best self every single day, every single moment, one step at a time. Ugh, it's exhausting and it's fake and we all see right through it. And with that being said, we have a guy in our backyard 
who happens to be the best at what he does. One of the best players in the history who tells us how he feels every day, who gives us real tidbits of information about his life, about his team, about the league, about players across the league, about situations at hand. Just telling it, telling us like, like he feels it, being honest, being himself. And he gets crucified for it. I don't understand. I know people are upset about the Golden State thing. I know people are upset about random stuff that he does here and there or says here and there. But you can't have it both ways, people. You can't be out here calling certain people frauds like LeBron James, who spews who knows what 90% of the time at the podium. Literally, there's been a meme or a multitude of memes going around for weeks now talking about all the lies that LeBron James has told at the podium that are just pointless. No one's expecting him to have every answer about this or that or know everything about this rapper or that book or that movie. And he pretends he puts up a facade of being all knowing and perfect and great. And I love LeBron. I'm not loving him as a human at the podium in the past couple of years. It's whatever. It's LeBron. He's a living legend. He can do whatever the hell he wants, but I'm not going to sit here and be enthralled by it. I'm not going to really care about it. I wish he wasn't a weird liar, right? Like that's all we want. And this guy gives it to us. Kevin Durant goes on a show, hour long sit down with Dave Letterman. They play shuffleboard. They shoot the shit. He talks about how he's smoking weed. He goes on Bill Simmons podcast four or five years ago after the championship and, and says how he had Taco Bell and, and had an upset stomach the next day because he's just like anybody else. That's all people have ever said they wanted from their stars. Honesty. Telling it like it is. And we have one. And all we do is criticize him. And all we do is say he picked the wrong wagon to hitch his thing to. Or Again, I'm not good with sayings. Kevin Durant, can you believe he just went to Golden State? And just ruin the league like that. Kevin Durant, can you believe he left Golden State to go with Kyrie Irving? So, so stupid. What an idiot, dude. Right? That's what we hear. Two contradicting points. Forgetting the main point that we literally get to watch Kevin Durant play basketball on local television all the time. Get to hear him talk to local reporters all the time, giving us a piece of his brain, whether it be about basketball or not. He's giving you a piece of himself. Constantly goes back at Twitter idiots and makes them feel stupid a lot of the times. And then people get mad at him for that. And he goes, listen, I'm just a guy who likes talking shit on Twitter. It's fun. I like going back at it. Sometimes people get me. A lot of times I get people. I love that. I'm thankful for Kevin Durant. You should try it out. If you're out here hearing me talk about Kevin Durant, getting a little annoyed, like, dude, this guy's a snake, annoying you know, elitist basketball player who's just uh, saying who knows what about whatever. Get over it. This guy is what you all want, and then you get it, and you don't want it anymore. It's the same concept as a damn Cinderella story. All you guys say, oh, I love Cinderella stories, man. That's what it's all about, the underdogs. That's, that's just that's the beauty of sports, man. And then when the underdog makes the championship and 25% less people watch – the championship. Well, what, what's wrong? Why don't people want? Cause they want to see stars and they want to see greatness. And we have one right here in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, watch him, appreciate him, listen to him and don't be such a hater. Kevin Durant's awesome. Julius Randall. 
Next. Kind of hard to be thankful for Julius Randle right now. I'm going to go with unthankful. Unthankful. Yes. Uh, I'm thankful for him in a few, in a few ways, more of which like, yes, he did kind of come out here and, and give the Knicks a reason to feel good in his second year as a New York Nick. And he gave the Knicks fans a reminder of what it's like when this team is good and when they're competing at a high level and when they have an all-star and when they have an all NBA level player, he reminded us of that. And for that, I'm thankful because it's been a while. It's been since Mello was like in 2013 for us to feel that way. Like we had a guy who can do that. So I'm thankful for that. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't enjoy him. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't have faith for him to get back to a certain level. But at this point, to be thankful for a guy who doesn't seem thankful to be here is really difficult. Now, I'm going to say, to add on to this, I'm a little bit unthankful that fans do give him such an incredibly hard time because it's really freaking hard to be a star on a team that's not as good as most of the other teams and be expected to carry them to be as good as those other teams, right? Like when you start comparing Julius Randle to the likes of Jason Tatum and Giannis and Joel Embiid and and uh, some of the other stars, I'm just thinking Eastern Conference, but if you go Western Conference, LeBron and Kawhi and et cetera, you get the point. Obviously, it's going to be a letdown. He's not on that caliber. But for a moment in time, he gave us that hope to feel that. And unfortunately, in sports, over time, your talent shows out. Whether you have an incredible run, whether you make a run in the playoffs, you could even win a, a, a conference. I don't want to say championship, but you can win your conference and you can feel like you have it all. And then you can turn around and you're not good enough, right? So I don't think this is all Julius Randle's fault. That's where I want to make sure I'm clear here. I'm not blaming Julius Randle for the, for the shortcomings of this team because we're not as talented as the top tier teams in the Eastern conference. We're not. And he's not as talented as Trey young. He's not as talented as Pascal Siakam right now. He's not as good. I should say. So am I thankful for what he did in the beginning? Yes. Am I unthankful for the way he is right now? Yes. But I will not blame the entirety of the Knicks mediocrity on Julius Randall because this roster is still not as good as the first six teams in the East and possibly the seven, eight, nine teams in the East. So that's the story on Julius Randle. It's negative right now. I'm not thankful for who he is on the court right now, the way he's playing, the way he's acting a lot of the times, but he's still not to blame. He's not the only uh, uh, cause of this problem here. That is the New York Knicks. Julius, uh, Julius Randle just spoke about Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson's the next one. Jalen Brunson, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, and I know there's been people out there on Twitter and, and beyond who are curious about what this guy really is. And is he a true point guard? Is he a scoring guard who can kind of pass? Is he good enough to carry an offense? Is he good enough to be a 1B on a winning team? All questions that are very, very fair. However, if you knew what you were getting, if you watched Jalen Brunson in the past, and if you understood that we were not signing a player who was going to average 26 points and eight assists 
and carry this offense on his back every single night and also be good on defense and also facilitate. If you didn't think that because that was never the reality, I think you're going to feel more like me right now, which makes me thankful. Because when I watch the Knicks right now, I understand that there's clunkiness to their offense sometimes and I understand that he's not always the solution, but he is the solution a lot of the times. And his ability to get into this into the paint, finish some of these crazy shots that he does is impressive. And he still is by far the best point guard this team has had in a very long time. And he has solidified this offense in a lot of ways. And he will continue to put up 20 points and seven assists. We were never getting a 25 point per game guy. In fact, I didn't know he was going to be 20. I thought he'd be more like 18. Maybe if RJ Barrett kind of steps up a little bit, it's going to turn out that way. But the problem doesn't lie with Jalen Brunson. The problem lies with expectations that were incorrect. I said this preseason. I knew that there would be some people out there who would watch the Knicks a little bit. Maybe they watch the Knicks a lot of it. Maybe they just don't know who Jalen Brunson was before he came to New York. But there's going to be people who are critical of what he's putting out, his offensive output, his numbers, his ability in, in close games, his ability to defend. There is disappointment out there. I don't think it's justified because he's still been an incredible upgrade. His contract is not that not that insane. It's not that crazy. It's a very reasonable number for the guy who he is. And he is now a piece of the puzzle that will positively affect whatever good players they get moving forward. And that's important to have, which is why I'm thankful for Jalen Brunson. And Tom Thibodeau. Moving on to the next guy here, Tom Tibbs, Coach Tibbs. And this is a tough one. This one kind of goes into the Daniel Jones category for me because the easy answer is to say that I'm unthankful for Tom Thibodeau. But again, I do like to go back to expectations. And I have a video out. It's actually the second video I ever put out on Subway Sports Talk social media. So if you go to my Instagram and scroll all the way down to the bottom, you will find a video where I talked about Tibbs right when he was hired. It was like the day he was hired. I did like a six-minute video talking about who Coach Tibbs was and what he was going to do for this team. To this point, and not to pat my own back, but also to pat my own back, it's been exactly what I expected. I thought he would instantly raise the floor of this team, which has happened. I thought he'd find the players who we could look at and say, these are the cornerstones. These are the people that we're going to keep around and build around. For the most part, we've done that. Most of it's been through weeding out the people that we don't need around, right? So we found out Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, it won't, it wasn't going to happen. It ain't going to work around here. Let's move on. We found out RJ Barrett, that's probably a guy we want to invest in. And yes, he still has shortcomings, but we found out this is a trustworthy player who's going to play his ass off, who's going to grind on defense, who's going to work on his craft and get better. We learned that through Tom Thibodeau. We learn that he can exist in a winning formula. Right now, still, with their shortcomings, we're learning that Quickly can do it, that Toppin can do it, that Brunson can do it, that Mitchell Robinson can do it. Those are things that are important. However, with all that thankfulness that I'm putting forth to Tom Thibodeau, this is where I become unthankful. Because it's time to change it up. Whether that means Tibbs needs to change his approach and become more multiple offensively to become a little bit more uh, 
I guess, with the times, if you will, that's where I'm unthankful because I predicted it three years ago saying this is going to be a, a, a wave where we are going to say, oh, look at all these things we're learning and all the success we're having, and then it's going to settle down, kind of like it has in his past two stops. In Chicago, he came on strong, had a really talented team, won a lot of games. Some of his talent got hurt or old, and the wind started flowing downward. Right, And when this guy has talented teams, you can expect wins. That has happened at every turn in his career. When this team was talented to a point where they can compete with the four through eight seeds in the Eastern Conference, guess where they settled up? In the four through eight seeds. And now maybe this team is just not talented enough. Maybe Tom Thibodeau's not getting the most out of all these players. We are still learning who these players are for the most part, especially now that he's playing these people more. So I'm not completely unthankful for Tom Thibodeau. He's done a lot of things to be thankful for here in New York. A little bit of a cop-out answer, perhaps, but that's the truth. And not all this stuff is, is black and white. There's gray area, and I think a lot of the gray area exists with Coach Tom Thibodeau because of the positives that exist, because some of the stuff that we're still learning, because of his tenacity, because of his emphasis on effort and defense of who wants to be here, who's going to play the right way. Even if he's not pushing them in the exact right schematic direction or he's not pushing all the right buttons as far as rotations, those things I could be unthankful for, but I could still be thankful for many other things when it comes to Coach Tom Thibodeau. Let's move on to baseball, though, and talk about the man to be the most thankful for for now. Aaron Judge is a guy that we don't need to spend time on, but he deserved a shout-out. Tip your damn cap to Aaron Judge, the man who just had one of the best seasons in baseball history, won the MVP, carried an offense to make it seem like it was actually good when it wasn't, and yes, they came up short, but if you say anything else about Aaron Judge right now, you're either lying to yourself or you're actually a crazy person. This guy's given everything to the Yankees to this point. I think, I believe, the Yankees are going to give it back to him via a contract this offseason. I believe he's going to stay in New York. I believe he's going to continue to be awesome. I believe he'll be the next captain of the New York Yankees. So be thankful and be thankful now because you never know when it's over. And if it's not, if it becomes over, if it's not going to be a re-signed situation, you could take all your thankfulness energy towards Aaron Jones. You can, Aaron Jones, Aaron Judge, you can turn it unthankful and point it right at Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner because that's where it will all belong if Aaron Jones is not Aaron Jones that's twice Aaron Judge is not a Yankee next year next Aaron Boone unthankful see ya what do you want from me this guy's still the coach of the Yankees it's unbelievable unbelievable and this is speaking from a guy who's not a Yankee fan frankly don't really care up or down, it doesn't matter. I like them to be interesting. They're more interesting if they're winning. They tend to be always winning every year. 95 wins, doesn't matter. Aaron Boone, how you doing? How you been? I don't care. I'm unthankful. I'm. There's no reason to be thankful. Maybe the only thing to be thankful with Aaron Boone is you learned exactly what you don't want in your manager. Mm, that's the best I could do. That's the, that's the best I could do because you can learn a lot from, from bad coaches. So hopefully the Yankees, 
who are the Yankees people, Brian Cashman, Steinbrenner, who are making these decisions are learning. Doesn't seem like they are, which is why I'm unthankful. This one goes to Aaron Boone, but it also goes to Cashman and Steinbrenner. What's going on here? I, I honestly, I can't believe that he's back as the manager. And for that, I'm unthankful. I'm unthankful that we have to continue to hear Yankee fans complain about Aaron Boone. I'm unthankful that when I go to WFAN to work my shift twice a month, that I have to hear calls, whether the Yankees won by 10, lost by 10, Aaron Boone is out with the flu, or if he freaking got kicked out for yelling at an umpire, that he has to be fired and and fire Kyle Steinbrenner and fire Brian Cashman, which is all impossible. I'm just sick of it. So for as unthankful as I am specifically towards Aaron Boone, I'm just unthankful at the situation because I am sick and tired, sick and tired of hearing Yankee fans complain. Oh my God. Can we just get rid of Aaron Boone? He's so bad. I hate him. He just gets mad like once a month and gets kicked out and we think he has passion, but he doesn't. I have passion. Wow. That was weird. Um, That's, that's Aaron Boone in a nutshell. I hate it so much. It's nothing to be thankful for. No bad watching experience when it comes to the Yankees bad press conferences. Cause I don't know what the hell he's talking about most of the time. And bad for everyone else because we have to listen to every Yankee fan ever just complain more than they do about anything else, which is also a lot. Boone, see ya. All right, let's move on to the Mets. I'm thankful for Steve Cohen, obviously. You kidding me? Why would I not be thankful for Steve Cohen? Uh, he's made the Mets a real organization again. He's making them a spender. And he's going to do what he can to make this team better. Will he make every right decision? Probably not. Why would he? Who who makes every right decision? Nobody, right? But I know that when he gets his little team together to make decisions, he is thinking about winning. Winning, winning, winning. It's the only thing that he's thinking about. Yeah, of course, he's trying to keep his books clean and he's trying to be profitable as an organization, but winning goes above all of it. He's proven it so far with the money he spent with some of the trades he's made, but he's also being calculated with not overstepping for certain talent that will not be good enough. This guy is sharp. This guy is no joke. And I am so thankful to have an owner that wants to win more than anything else. Sometimes you can say that in New York. Sometimes you can. But even when you're saying it about certain owners in New York, you never really know if you fully believe it because you're not sure What's going on? Is this dumb money or is this smart money? Steve Cohen feels like smart money, and I'm excited to see what happens with the Mets moving forward. I'm thankful. Lastly for the Mets, Jacob DeGrom is a weird one. It's a weird one because you don't know if he's going to be back. It's a weird one because you don't know how to feel about his tenure. But I'll tell you guys right now, if you're thinking that you're unthankful right now, I just want you to take a step back, and I want you to remember random Wednesday in June where Jacob DeGrom was on the mound and you turned on the Mets for that exact reason. And you had a good time watching him pitch for eight innings, even if you had a bad time watching the rest of the team. This guy has come out and balled his ass off every year. Yeah, he's had some injuries here and there. But when this dude steps on the mound, he is putting forward the best effort possible. He is absolutely dealing doesn't care who he's facing, doesn't care how his body feels. He is dealing. And for that, 
There's nothing else to feel but thankfulness. To have the best pitcher in the MLB lead your team for years. For years. And has it worked out to a point where a championship was there? It was on the table. Has it worked out to a point where he's led to consistent playoff berths? It hasn't. By no fault of Jacob DeGrom. We all know the numbers. We all know the nasty stuff that he's got. And to say you're unthankful because he might leave because he's unthankful, get over yourself and just appreciate that you just had one of the best pitchers in MLB on your team for, for his whole career. It's a beautiful thing. And you will realize how much he will be missed if he's no longer a New York Met. So for Jacob DeGrom, I am thankful. Next, I want to talk about New York sports as a whole because it's weird. It's very weird. I'm thankful for some things. Obviously, I just went through a bunch of them. I'm unthankful for some things. Obviously, I just went through a bunch of them. But when you look through our big, bad New York sports teams, the Knicks, the Nets, the Giants, the Jets, the Mets, and the Yankees, the big word that has to come to mind, the big word that you don't want to come to mind is mediocrity. And unfortunately, it rings true for all of these franchises right now. We'll start at the top, or at least how I have them laid out here on the graphic on YouTube. The Knicks and the Nets, they're both literally hovering 500 right now. The epitome of mediocrity. They got some good players. Kevin Durant's on the Nets. It's amazing. Ben Simmons has been playing better. That's a nice thing. Kyrie Irving, I don't know. He's playing again. We'll see what happens. They're mediocre. They're not very good. They had to fire their coach. What's their ceiling now? Can they go on a run? Can they get right? Can Joe Harris and Seth Curry get, get healthy and all of a sudden they are a top four team in the East again? It can happen, but no one is banking on that. Nobody who's being fully serious or not just taking on a bunch of risk is saying that they're going to get back to that level. They're mediocre. The Knicks are mediocre. They are the true mediocre. They beat all the bad teams. They lose to all the good teams. And they're 50-50 against everyone in between. It's tough. It's hard to be thankful for that, even though we should be, because of how many years we were at the bottom, how many years we were the 10 seed, the 11 seed in the Eastern Conference, just saying to ourselves, we're not even bad enough to get a good pick but we're so bad that we still have no chance at the playoffs. That's where this team's lived. And even though they're one step above that, where they could get a play-in game this year, they could get a chance to make the playoffs, we know where this team's ceiling lands. And it's not high enough to be special. They're mediocre. And the same thing goes for the Giants and the Jets. Yeah, they both have really nice records right now. They both have quarterbacks who, one, for the Jets, we say no way right now. One for the Giants, we say maybe, and he's trending up, and he's tough, and we like him. But but is he the guy? Is he a franchise guy? Is he a cornerstone? The defenses are talented. They're pretty good. Are they enough to get this team anywhere past a frisky little playoff berth? Doesn't feel like it. Not enough consistency on offense. Not enough top-end talent on either side of the ball. The Giants and Jets, for all the positives, for all the good times we've had on Sundays for both of these teams this year, we know where the ending is. And if it's making the playoffs, that's the peak. And if it's just missing the playoffs, the peak happened in week seven. It's not great. It's mediocre. I'm thankful they don't suck. I'm unthankful they're not great. I'm unthankful they're not getting great draft picks. So 
all in all, I'm very lukewarm in general on both teams. And basically the same thing goes for the Mets and Yankees. Two really good teams this year in the regular season. The Mets, unfortunately, came up very small in the playoffs and didn't even really have a run and never felt like it was possible once the playoffs started. With the Yankees, similarly, they had their wins in the playoffs. They had their chances. They had their downfalls. They had their their lackluster performances. And yeah, they made the conference championship or the uh, AL championship series, if you will, but it never really felt like they were going all the way. Never really felt like a team of destiny. And yeah, those two teams, the Mets and Yankees, are definitely steps up from where the Knicks and Nets are and the Giants and Jets are. But where's the path? Where's the path for these teams to become the true playoff contender, to become the true World Series champion? The the path doesn't make that much sense. It's not really there. So unless there's some massive upgrades, we're going to come out of the next season, likely with two teams that get 90-plus wins, and likely going into the playoffs tricking ourselves again that these teams have real chances to win it all mediocre mid everything in between that's what this team is that's what all these teams are that's what new york sports is right now and for that i'm unthankful for that i'm longing for days where we can look at teams that have a chance and maybe in new york it's harder than everywhere else because guess what over the past decade It just hasn't happened around here. The Giants have two rings. They weren't really supposed to be favored to get those opportunities. The Yankees' last ring was now well over, not well over, but over a decade ago. The Mets had an appearance in 15, and even that felt like it was a lucky run. These teams are all right. These teams don't have great paths to get great. They're mediocre, and that sucks. I don't want to be such a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be a fanboy either. And that's why I land on this spot here in this word of mediocrity. And I feel very blah. I feel very mediocre myself right now. Because this is such a whack take to have. Yeah, what's the state of New York sports? Well, they're not great, but they definitely don't suck. Hmm. That's kind of tough. That's kind of a weird route to go, but it's the most true route. I would challenge anybody out here listening to give me a path for any of these teams to be true championship contenders by the end of next year. I don't see it for the Yankees, who probably have the best chance. I don't really see it for the Mets, who have the second best chance. And the Giants and Jets are still probably two years away. They're big-time free agent signings and big-time draft years away from becoming a power of anything. Of anything, let alone a Super Bowl contender. The Knicks have a lot of things to do before they become a top-five seed in the East. The Nets are such a disaster, you can't trust them at all. This is New York sports right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's mediocre. That's something to be unthankful for. The silver lining to be thankful for is that we will see meaningful games at the end of the season. How many times as a Mets fan have you said, I just want to see meaningful baseball in September. I don't want to waste my entire spring and summer to just be disappointed and disgusted in September. We had a taste of that this year. We played meaningful baseball in September. Still felt like a downer when it came to an end. So be thankful that these teams don't all suck, but there's definitely reasons to feel 
underwhelmed that all these teams are just okay. And that kind of stinks. That's my takes here on Subway Sports Talk. So to finish on a more positive note, it's important to be thankful for you guys, man. I said it in the open. I want to say it again. Love doing this show. I love talking sports. I love turning the mic on, putting the headphones on, talking to my friends about baseball, basketball, football weekly. Super fun. And I couldn't be more thankful to anybody who clicks on any of my stuff, who shares any of the videos, who appreciates the pod in silence or by telling us. I do appreciate it a little more when you tell me, right? But it does kind of blow my mind sometimes. You know, it's not like I'm getting thousands of listeners every episode. That's obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but it's not the case in case you didn't know. It's not thousands of viewers, it's hundreds, sure. But the fact that anybody, that five, 10, 15 people are clicking on something and listening to it and, and checking in weekly on this stuff, it means the world to me. And there's no better time than Thanksgiving to to say thank you for that. So to the hundreds of you out there, not the, not the thousands, but the hundreds of you out there, um, I'm proud that you guys are all there and that you click on this stuff. I'm appreciative and I hope you stick around even though all of our teams are mediocre. <laughs> That's a weird way to end it. That's all I got. So thanks for listening. Subway Sports Talk. I'm Pete Kennedy. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Enjoy your football. We have a Giants game that will be exciting against the Cowboys, hopefully. They might get beat pretty bad, but it's okay. Um, but picks will be out, not likely not via podcast this week. It'll likely be um, via just social media. So if you're listening to this right now and you're looking for the picks podcast on the uh, on the podcast apps later in the week, it's probably not going to be there. There's a chance, but it's unlikely. So follow us on social media at Subway Sports Talk on Instagram and TikTok at Subway Sports Talk TLK on Twitter at P Kennedy Two Wise for me and. There you'll see all the picks. So if you're following the picks, I went two and three this week. Pat went two and three this week. Mark Shenlugan, five and oh this week, which is beautiful. Um, so we're moving in the right direction. Still a winning week here for the guys, which is very nice. So that's all we have. That's all we have right now. We might have a pod with picks, but we will definitely have picks on social media no matter what. So thank you guys for listening. Subway Sports Talk. I am Pete Kennedy. Don't forget to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Hit this uh, subscribe button and the notification bell. And listen, right now, I've been thanking y'all. I don't ask this all the time more than this little line at the end. So if you're still here right now and you're listening to this part of the episode and you haven't rated us on, on Apple Podcasts app, can you can you do that, please? I'll be really thankful. I'll be really thankful. So if you can do that for us, I would be so appreciative if you can drop on there and uh, – and do the little subscribe rate review action. Cause that, that, that helps a lot. It helps get this podcast in front of more people and more people to click on it. So, so thank you guys. Subway sports talk. That's all happy Thanksgiving. Cheers.